Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This episode is brought to you by Facebook Blueprint. Learn everything about building a business using Facebook, Instagram, and their growing family of apps and services for free. Everyone has a next level. So whether you're just getting started or want to hone your existing marketing skills, there's a free online course to help. Visit fb.me slash blueprint slash adweek to learn more. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek podcast where we talk about marketing, media, advertising, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. My name is David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek. Uh, with me, we've got an awesome team from Adweek here today to talk about some really fun stuff. I'm excited about this episode. We've got back Lindsay Rittenhouse, staff writer on the Agency Beat. Lindsay, it's great to have you back. Thanks for having me back. And we've also got back Diana Pearl, staff writer on the Brand Marketing Beat. I feel like we're covering the whole world between like agencies, marketing, we just... <laughs> Dra- go, go drag a tech person in. We'll have the whole world in. Yep. Yeah. Diana, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, let's, you know, let's get right. we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Adweek 50, which is kind of our, like, power behind the power, like the people behind the people uh, list that we do each year. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that a little later in the episode. Uh, we've got two really fantastic ads to talk about this week. Super excited about the ads worth watching. Uh, but first, let's get to some pretty big news. Right. Uh, definitely the biggest uh, news story in the uh, advertising world uh, in the last week or so uh, <clears throat> has been uh, an exclusive broken by our own Patrick Coffey uh, that WPP, the holding company, is going to merge uh, two of its agencies, including the oldest ad agency on earth, J. Walter Thompson, a.k.a. JWT, is going to be merged with the Eh, younger, but not to say young, agency Wonderman, which I believe is about 50, 50 years old. Lindsay, does that sound right? Is it 50 um, years old? Yeah, about 50. It was uh, founded in 1958, so... Yeah, so it's not the yeah. not the wee youngest agency, but still, when you know JWT is like 150 plus years old, yeah. <laughs> kind of established the entire idea of an agency. Uh, they're going to be smashed up together, uh, forming a new agency called Wonderman Thompson, uh, which I believe is a superhero from the 1950s. But uh, <laughs> come on, that was <laughs> what doesn't Wonderman? T- yeah, okay, sounds like lame-o comic book superhero name. Um, no, it doesn't. And, it does. <laughs> 
<laughs> They're like, yes, David, here's your point. <laughs> Pat on the head. Uh, no, this follows the very similar uh, merger of two agencies uh, a bit more disparate in their ages. Uh, YNR, Young and Rubicam, was recently uh, smashed up with uh, VML, uh, agency out of Kansas City, and they are now VML YNR. Uh, which uh, was interesting, uh, you know, and, and in both cases, I feel like the recurring theme, and Lindsay, I'll hand it off to you here, but it, it feels like the recurring theme has been that both were very classic agencies, JWT and y and I mean, these are storied. Uh, they don't get more storied than JWT. Definitely. Uh, but in both cases, like in recent years, it's like everyone kind of knows their legacy, but you don't really know their recent work. They've kind of fallen off the with a really hot cultural radar and they're getting smashed up with these agencies that have remained a little more relevant. Do you, do you feel like that's a, a fair assessment of what's going on here? Definitely. I mean, I know JWT is like the agency that claims to have invented the grilled cheese, which was obviously a long time ago. Um, you know, <laughs> recent work, I can't really name anything that really like pops out, but I mean, Wonderman isn't really a well-known name either, but they're really profitable. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 sad to see some of these like iconic names obviously go away, but they're just not holding weight anymore. I mean, I recently talked to um, an employee who was uh, will rename remain unnamed, but he was kind of saying, you know, clients. Um, he was an employee at JWT, sorry, but um, he said clients were just viewing the agency as an agency that can only do. TV commercials, and the name was actually becoming just like a distractor, in his words. Um, and you know, that's it's it's sad to think of it like that because you know he came from a digital background. He was like, I obviously can do digital work, but the name was just like holding them back. Yeah, well, an interesting trend with both of these, with uh, with JWT and with YNR, is that in America. I mean, they're still very big, and they still do a ton of ads. It's just one of those things where they don't necessarily do the kind of ads all the time that we write about. Uh, they're they're kind of workhorse agencies. Uh, but overseas, they're doing some really fascinating stuff, and it, it's because those networks, you know, bought up uh, either bought up agencies or started you know new branches in in I, with JWT. I would say the most most notable is Amsterdam. Uh, JWT Amsterdam created the next Rembrandt, which was a uh, kind of used AI to create a Rembrandt. Uh, style painting uh, several years ahead of the curve and that, you know, and they, JWT Amsterdam is just an amazing shop. Uh, same with YNR. YNR has amazing offices in New Zealand and all over the world. But back home, they're just not... Yeah, you know, just yeah. they don't get the buzz that a, a Droga 5 or, uh, you know, a Widen and Kennedy does. Yeah, the independent agencies are just, you know, um, definitely more popular here. I mean, they're just putting out better work and I don't know why exactly? I mean, I don't work at under a holding company. I don't never worked at an agency, so I don't know really why that is. But for some reason in the U.S., yeah, I mean, traditional legacy agencies just are not doing well. Yeah, and, and when you talk about you know, and you hear buzz around the death of the agency model or the death of the ad agency, and and you know where where people really feel that are these massive global networks because. If you're a one office or two office, like Wyden and Kennedy is essentially, you know, like, I mean, they've got a handful of offices, yeah. but when it comes down to it, it's like Portland, mm -hmm. New York, London. And, um, and, you know, they're able to be fluid and be flexible and respond to kind of the changing demands of a client like Nike in their case. But when you're a massive global network, uh, that's, you know, you just can't turn that kind of a battleship uh, very clearly. And, and to your point, 
at some point your name becomes an anchor. You know, it becomes something where it's like, oh, you're you're my grandpa's agency. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you know, you know who I'm concerned about now is Leo Burnett. Uh, so oh, they're uh, they're owned by a different holding company. That's Publicis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Leo Burnett's have their had their own form of you know a rough few years because Publicis has been leading the charge against things like award shows and against mm-hmm. what they see as kind of vanity creative. Um, which, you know, that's, that's commendable in its own way, but the real, the real branch of publicist that lost out in that discussion was Leo Burnett. Uh, Leo Burnett is just such an award-winning mega creative agency, but, you know, and, and it's got a name that famously, like, there's this whole speech about take my name off the door when we no longer do X and X and X. And, you know, I, I just, I'm worried about them. I, I worry that's, that's such a, a great agency, but... I, I couldn't tell you much they've done in that's, the last two, two, three years. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I didn't even think about, yeah, Leo Burnett, but they haven't been doing well. Um, and Publicis has been going towards this, like, you know, power of one. Everything is, like, you know, named after Publicis, and that's, like, driving everything. So, I mean, yeah, Leo Burnett has been kind of lost in the fray, I guess. Yeah. It, so I, I, my hunch is this isn't the last of these, that we're going to see a few more. Um, and, and, you know, it's because they're trying to position themselves against new types of competition. Uh, they're trying to, as we kind of mentioned, get the best of both worlds. Like they, VML is a good example where that was a mm-hmm. that was just a cool agency. Like out of the gate, they were doing all this amazing stuff. And they're in Kansas City. You know, it was not the kind of they, – they seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. They were a, you know, corporately owned uh, but they they just had the spirit of mm-hmm. an independent, um, and and so there's you know it still stunned me when they got uh, merged with Y and R because I mean you couldn't name two more disparate uh, agencies and VML I mean from an outsider's perspective VML sure seemed to take over that situation like that that is an agency run by and and we should note in this case it feels a bit more like a marriage of equals in the sense that the um, you know, the CEO of uh, of JWT, uh, Tamara Ingram, is going to be, I think, chairman, right? And the yep. CEO of Wonderman is going to be the CEO. So, you know, that's pretty well respected, at least in the structure. Yeah, VML, YNR, terrible name, but they, most of the, the leaders now of that agency came from VML. Like a lot of them were elevated. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that merger, when I talk to people – seemed like like it the cultures seemed to uh mix better than than this wonderman jwt just from some of the people i've been talking to it seems like that was more of the obvious fit and now wpp is just kind of looking at uh what agencies they can kind of mush like smash together a little bit and like yeah. i i fear for like gray and ogilvy next not fear for them but i'm sure they're gonna do something with them so i don't know yeah i mean the ogilvy's the other one is good point of like a a just again doesn't get more of a storied name than Ogilvy, and they have had a rough. Uh, you know, it's yeah. it's interesting to think they were our global agency of the year like three years ago. Yeah, um, and and it's been a it's been a rough ride. If it weren't for their um, 
kind of their acquisitions or their agencies that they launched, namely David uh, in Miami mm-hmm. and in Sao Paulo and Buenos Aires. You know, David's one of the best agencies on earth now. Um, and, you know, clearly named after David Ogilvy. So that's a big part of their network. They've got things like Ingo and a few others. But Ogilvy proper is in kind mm-hmm. of a very similar situation to these other shops we've been talking about. Well, uh, stay tuned because I have a feeling next year, man, it's going to be we are just seeing when this happened in the 90s. I mean, that was a bit before my time. But the the 90s and 2000s were the merger mania era of advertising. And once that ball started rolling, it did not stop. You know, it didn't stop until a few years ago uh, with like it, with, with some of these holding companies potentially merging. And then that kind of screeching to a halt. That was when it finally was just like, OK, we're done. And then now it's like they're merging within themselves. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's keep consolidating. I don't know. Uh, but we will uh, keep an eye on that. Thank you so much for helping walk us through that. Definitely check out uh, the article. Uh, the headline is WPP will merge J. Walter Thompson with Wonderman to form Wonderman Thompson. Uh, great read and great scoop by our colleague Patrick. And let's, uh, let's move on to this week's ads worth watching. I am so excited for these two ads because they are legitimately great. Some weeks we have uh, stuff that's good, but maybe hard to talk about or something that, you know what I mean? Or some weeks it's just like, eh, this is the best ad we had this week. Uh, this week, so much good stuff. Part of that is because it's the holidays. As we've mentioned, it's holiday season, which thanks uh, usually to Britain, uh, we have some great ads to talk about. Uh, and and we we. We certainly do have a lot of good ads to talk about. The the John Lewis ad is out, and, and it's quite good. It's one of their best in, in years. But we're going to talk back home here in America about Apple. Uh, Apple has kind of quietly become one of the bigger, ho- you know, holiday advertisers. Um, it's I, they've they've described to us before that they see their holiday ad as a as a postcard to their fans. Um, which is, you know, an interesting way to look at it because it's certainly they're never a hard sell. They're never, you know, it's never like this iPad sure has a lot of features or it's not even in the traditional like Apple way of like, look at this beautiful phone spinning around in the darkness. <laughs> you know, it's like they actually tell a story. Uh, and so this year uh, they, they've got a piece uh, that is animated, uh, which you know, Apple's done done some animation, uh, but it's certainly not been, you know, it's not what you think of when you think of Apple advertising. It's usually like, you know, either something really upbeat or something really scenic and lovely. Uh, this time it's an animation, a three-minute animation called Share Your Gifts. Uh, it was created, of, of course, by TBWA Media Arts Lab, which is the bespoke agency uh, that only works on Apple. Uh, they... Yeah, they do most of, most of the ads you see uh, from Apple, and this year they they and an animation house called Buck Productions, which I had not heard of. I looked them up expecting, oh, these these people probably do every ad I've seen uh, that's animated. No, had had not was not familiar with their work, uh, and. You know, one of the one of the folks who worked on it told me that they literally picked the hardest way you could possibly animate this ad. <laughs> like, it's, it is if you've watched the behind the scenes, uh, you will note that it is. Uh, very labor intensive, incredibly well crafted. Uh, essentially, what they did is they designed all the sets as miniatures, very detailed, incredibly, uh, y- you know, meticulously crafted uh, miniatures. 
And then they animated with CGI into those settings. Uh, So that's like literally the hardest thing you can do. And they said that it was because it created this kind of lived in feel of the world that you just don't get. Like there's even a comment they're making of where a guy says, um, you know, you spend more time in CGI trying to make something look flawed <laughs> to look to look real, like to give yeah. it scratches and all that stuff. Then if you just made it yourself, it would just look that way. Uh, you know, that said, ton of work went into this. Like I said, it's three minutes long. It, it's the story of a young woman who is creating uh, something on her MacBook. It takes place over over a year, which isn't easy to tell the first time you watch it. Uh, and she's making something. We, we Spoiler alert, we don't ever really get to see what it is, um, but that's not really the point. She's using her MacBook to create... Uh, you know, something that she spent a lot of time and effort, but she does not want to show it to anyone. She doesn't want to share it. And the ad is called Share Your Gifts. So obviously it is a message about taking that bold step or in this case being nudged by someone else uh, to share what you've created. Uh, and and I'll just kind of let people watch it from there. Let's listen to a little bit. There's no dialogue, but let's listen to a little of the track because there's an interesting story behind that as well. So that song is called Come Out and Play. Um, and it is uh, it, it was created custom for the for the ad, uh, but it's um, from a, a young singer named Billie Eilish. Uh, she's 16 years old. She started uh, writing songs when she was 11, and she used her Mac, you know, her MacBook to to create. Uh, these tracks, including this track, which she recorded with, it was like produced by her brother at their parents' house. Uh, you know, but don't let that fool you. I mean, she is famous. Like she has hundreds of millions of YouTube views. Uh, had you, had either of you heard of her? I had not heard of the her. The name sounds familiar. Yeah, I think I have, but I'm not super familiar with her yeah, music, like with her but music. I've heard her name before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a gorgeous song, uh, you know, written specifically for this, but they said that they intentionally picked that because they wanted it to not just be an ad about a young woman creating something, but actually include a song that was created by a young woman on her Mac, you know, uh, which is just a nice little thing. And and that kind of gets at the Easter eggs that are hidden throughout this ad, which we wrote a whole article just on. I I think I found a, a dozen with some help from the people who worked on the ad. There's probably another 30 or 40 uh, hidden in there. She's wearing a Sonic Youth t-shirt uh, at one point. Then in a later scene, you see that same t-shirt. It's kind of draped across the back of a chair. Um, and then there's album covers in the background from kind of uh, the somewhat obscure modern uh, musicians. All of that was thrown in just to give depth to this character and to make it feel like you have a sense of what her kind of... They didn't want it to be a, a generic fairy tale is the way they described it, that they wanted it to be like this character with depth and modern. She's got a Supreme sticker on the back of her of her laptop. Uh, so she is very 2018. Uh, but that's enough rambling for me. What did you two think of it? I'm, I loved it. I mean, it was very detailed. And I mean, I really love the message. And after hearing you kind of discuss like why they did this, it's kind of like... Um, 
an ode to all of the people who use them. It makes sense. The one thing that I thought was a little, I mean, when I first watched it, it's just like my one little criticism is that just like, oh, it's a ad made by a bunch of creatives, like praising themselves, like, oh, our work is so good. But I, I mean, other than that, no, I really, I really did love it though. Yeah, I loved it too. Um, I just thought it was a so beautiful, the animation and, you know, the story, I feel like, especially at the beginning and the end, really capture that feeling of like, winter coziness which I really like like her big sweater and then at the end you know they were it looked like they were in some sort of Christmas market and it just really you know captured that vibe of the season I thought and then also just such a sweet story and something that I thought really you know pulls at your heartstrings and in a, in a heartwarming way yeah yeah I mean you know I've been writing about ads every day for over a decade and I can't think of many honestly very I, I almost couldn't name any where I've gone back and rewatched them so many times and paused in so many places <laughs> to see yeah. like what is that what's going on back there there's like a million things mm -hmm, in yeah. every scene and the first time you watch it you're just so absorbed in the story that you blow right past it and like you don't notice that the people she works with at the bakery are the same people that catch the papers at the end and like it's just these you know all these little things and and then you see, oh, the the logo, Billie Eilish, the singer, has a logo, which is kind of like a out, black outline of a of a person, like on a bathroom, um, but kind of leaning. It's a little hard to describe, but it's a black outline on a green background. And there's that's like one of the things on her wall in the in the ad. And yeah, that's cool. I did not notice that. Yeah, I didn't notice yeah. the thing with the people in the bakery either. No. Yeah, really I mean, that's. It's like, and that's when we're, I think maybe on my, like my 10th watching, <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, wait, that's them. Whereas I'll give her credit. My daughter noticed the second time through, she was like, hey, wait a minute. Um, but you know, it's, it's, that just says a lot about the craftsmanship of something that if you can go back, there aren't many movies I can go back and rewatch and feel like I want to, it, it's, it's kind of like, we've talked about the good place on this show that any, any time any any scene in the good place where there's something in the background you have to pause i don't know do you guys watch that show i do no. i'm like in the middle of season two i'm in the midst of a binge watch <laughs> yeah and you just like anything with writing anything on the screen you have to pause it it's mm -hmm. a show made to be paused um and you know so i just really appreciate that and and with good place you know listening to the podcast that they do about how they make that show they talk about there's so many things that they create for that show that are never seen like if people are holding a pile of papers like essays they actually write the first page of each essay and like they like write all this stuff like if they make a menu for a restaurant they literally write every menu item and put wow. jokes in it even though no one will ever see it they're just like yeah why not we got yeah, the that's time. Awesome. <laughs> for sure so amazing, uh, amazing spot. Congratulations to TBWA Media Arts Lab uh, and Apple, of course, and to Buck Production uh, that worked on the animation. Definitely watch the, you know, if you look it up on our site, you can watch the ad, you can watch the behind the scenes, which should be mandatory because it's incredible. Uh, and then also we've got a list of like, I think it's called 12 Easter eggs. You probably didn't notice the first time you watched the Apple holiday ad. So check all those out. I think you will enjoy it. We also have another ad I want to talk about. Very different. I guess I, I feel bad giving a, a warning here, but just depending on people's comfort level, we're going to be talking a lot about genitals, uh, female genitals for the next few minutes. Uh, but that's kind of the whole point is that it's an ad about getting people more comfortable uh, with that, which is a topic that's come up 
uh, repeatedly in the advertising world in the last few years. Uh, you know, this is famously uh, when you talk about feminine hygiene products and feminine products in general, there's so much just shame-based marketing <laughs> going back decades, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. many decades. Uh, I obviously don't have to tell you to that. And it's just been this this joke, right, of advertising. It's like, oh, you can't show red blood. You got to show blue blood, you know, <laughs> on, on sanitary pads. And the... Uh, the, the brand that's really been fighting that most hard and, and most impressively is called Labress or Body Form, depending on, I think, on the country. Uh, but it's it's out of Sweden. And uh, last year they did Blood Normal, uh, which was this really jarring kind of uh, attack on the stigmas around periods. It showed real blood. It showed people having sex on their periods. It you know just really kind of broke down a lot of those. But that was a really visceral uh, ad, really visceral campaign and very like unapologetic and just in your face. They've got a new one that's a little more approachable, <laughs> a little more fun. It's called Viva La Vulva. Uh, and it is a three minute anthem to the vagina, to the vulva. Uh, and it's fantastic. It's from AMV BBDO, the UK uh, ad agency. Uh, and uh, let's listen to a bit of the track, which you may recognize uh, specifically, or you may at least recognize a reference to it. Uh, let's listen to a little of that. I have to celebrate you, baby. I have to praise you like I should. You're so rare, so fine. I'm so glad you're mine. You're so So the the song is called "Take Your Praise" from Camille Yarbrough. Uh, it is it was sampled in 1998 uh, for Fatboy Slim's "Praise You," which most people the first time they listen to this might be expecting that. Uh, but uh, it, it, originally, that was a song about uh, you know basically saying I want to I want to do anything I can to make you happy, uh, to make this other person happy. You know, you assume she's singing about a man or at least the person she loves. In this case, it's kind of pivot pivoted so that it's talking about you know treating yourself well and loving yourself in this case specifically your your vagina uh and the ad it's man it's it's a hard one to talk about on podcast just because it's so visual like it is every possible thing that could be a vagina becomes a vagina in this ad and (laughs) sings and talks and they animate i think it opens with a seashell like a conch shell singing Mm -hmm. uh there's a what is that a papaya What's what's the one with like the black dots in the middle? The f- uh, I get, I'm, I get not, my tropical I'm not sure, fruit. but I know what you're talking about. Some sort of <laughs> tropical fruits fruit. mixed up. Uh, there's there's oysters. <laughs> Maybe almost uh, the one of the women who worked on the ad looked over at me after I watched it for the first time. She was like. Uh, this I'm never going to look at oysters the same way. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's so much. There's curtains and and origami and puppets and I mean, it just keeps going. It is a it is a ride. Uh, but uh, what what did you do think of this? I mean, did it, it will it achieve its goal of kind of getting people more comfortable and getting women to feel more? Uh, I guess proud. They they did a survey where they found that more than half of women said that they felt a lot of pressure um, about uh, about their vaginas, about wanting them, and and shame. Forty four percent said they've been embarrassed by the way they look or smell or feel. 
Uh, and that's what they said they were trying to tackle with this. D- d- does it work? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a great ad. I mean, A, it's just so visually appealing. Like you said, you know, all the different vagina representations are so fun and creative. Um, and especially how they're all like made to sing, I think is really fun. Um, it immediately reminded me actually of an episode of Sex in the City uh, where that's all about like vagina mm-hmm. shame and Charlotte is like ashamed of her vagina and Carrie makes her like look at it with a hand mirror, which actually in the ad, one of the uh, women featured does. So it immediately like brought that to memory. Um, I mean, I don't know how if it's going to, you know, end, you know, decades, centuries, yeah. you know, you could even say millenniums of shame, um, you know, around uh you know, female genitals, but I think, you know, it's, it's a start. It's, it's a great move. And I think it's a very, you know, it's such a positive atmosphere in the ad, um, that, you know, it really contributes to that positive mindset in my opinion. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, yeah, will it end every, everything right away? No, but it's a step in the right direction. I mean, we need to start talking about these things. I mean, it's, they're vaginas, you know, women have vaginas, you know, totally we need to talk about it um, and not be ashamed of it. It's ridiculous. And, yeah. you know, I, I just wish I was seeing more of these like progressive ads come out of America. Totally. And I appreciate that it is like it very much, you know, though it doesn't actually show like a hum- naked human vagina, like all these like representations, yeah. you know, you think of a lot of, you know, tampon and pad advertisements is showing women like running on the beach or you know just these things that don't doing gymnastics yeah that don't really (laughs) represent what it's actually like to have a period so um i appreciate that this is takes a little more literal of an approach Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's uh at Cannes this year when they announced the grand prix in the uh, glass lion category which is like the empowering the the lion for good or equality uh and Blood Normal won. Uh, you know, it was like the uh, really one of the most talked about campaigns of the year. Madonna Badger, who is this, you know, absolute icon in the industry uh, of, of, you know, kind of empowering advertising. She admitted that she was the president of the jury and she admitted that that even even people like her were uncomfortable uh, talking about blood normal uh, and just talking about vaginas in general. She said that it was this, I, I don't remember if she specifically said it was a generational thing, but I, I, I want to say that she kind of said the older women on the jury, even though they are like all dedicated to empowering women and to changing the way this industry, it's just so programmed into them mm-hmm. to not talk about this stuff. And she said it's just so fighting that programming too. was hard. Yeah. Yeah, like vaginas should not be a gross thing. People view it as a gross thing. It should not be like that. Yeah. Agreed. The um yeah, <laughs> we're all in agreement. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah. and, and and this is a subtle thing too, but I appreciated that that they did not This is kind of like when um when someone says you should respect women because they could be our wives or daughters, you know, it's like, yeah. this, like <laughs> yeah. the, it, it's like sometimes people say, "Oh, you should respect vaginas because that's where all life comes from." And mm-hmm. I'm like, "Well, I mean, you're you're not wrong." But, yeah, but yeah. that like again, that kind of makes women this like vending machine or this thing that's just like yeah. it's only wow. purpose. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> There's one really delightful scene where a woman like swoops a baby down between her legs, like in a way that makes it at first look like a baby's coming out of her, and then you realize she's just kind of swinging it between her legs. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's like the one scene they they just. I was impressed that the ad did not go that direction at any point of like the birthplace of all life, you know, and and which hey, you know, that's wonderful too. It's just yeah. I don't know, commoditizes. We can talk about, yeah, yeah, like 
vagina and, and sex and what you need, periods and all that. It's like, yeah. come on. Uh, well, thank you both so much for talking about that one. Definitely uh, check it out. Uh, it is our ad of the day. Uh, as I as I write this up, uh, the headline is "Everything Is a Vagina Worth Singing About" in this brand's glorious anthem, "Viva La Vulva." Uh, definitely, we're checking it out. All right, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back to talk about the Ad Week Fifty. Support from our show today comes from our friends at Facebook Blueprint. Building a successful business is only half the challenge. Facebook Blueprint gives you free training and tools to teach you everything you need to know about building your brand presence on Facebook and taking your business to the next level. Visit fb.me slash blueprint slash adweek to learn more. All right, we're back. We're ready to talk about the Adweek 50. Uh, this is kind of, this is one of the more interesting lists because it's not like the Power 100 or it's not... You know, these are, as I think I said earlier, kind of the names behind the names, like the the people who do a lot of the work uh, with various levels of publicity. Uh, some are well known, uh, but many of them are kind of uh, just like the people in those industries know them or know their impact. Uh, so it's an interesting list. It's always quite a mix. Um, I'll just kind of briefly go over uh, some of the names on there just to give people a sense about. Uh, you know, who who all is on this list, uh, you may recognize a, a few names, and we'll come back and talk about a few more uh, in uh, in in more detail. But from the tech side, we've got Leslie Berlin, from the, who's CMO of Twitter and uh, also the head of people there. Uh, we've got Chris Cox, who's chief product officer for Facebook. Um, and uh, we've got uh, several brands, obviously well-represented, uh, both the CMO of Denny's and the uh, CMO of IHOP are both in there. And that's kind of a resurgent category. I'm sure there's a cool, like, brand industry name for that sit-down quasi-diner restaurant category. <laughs> I clearly don't know what it is. Um, and uh, we've got Allison Griffin, the uh, VP of Global Marketing at Intel. Uh, and, so, man, just, just so many names. I, I feel like I'm just like being uh, so random about who I pick out. To, but like I said, we'll come back and talk about a few more. Uh, the COO of the New York Times, Meredith Copet-Levian, um, and, uh, and Daniel Lee, uh, the uh, Global VP of Partner Solutions at Spotify. Uh, Diana, why don't you just start there? I, I think we were talking about Danielle a little bit before this. Um, yeah, tell us about about uh, her role in a, and honestly about how Spotify has kind of evolved over the last uh, year or two. Yeah, um, Danielle Lee really works with brands to you know have the best kind of events and partnerships that work with Spotify. Um, you know, they did. She helped BMW um, do an event in Chicago with Spotify and uh, with a DJ, DJ Matoma. Um, so things that really just fit the brands and help them connect with an audience they want to connect with. Um, and really, you know, with music, there's just so many opportunities for things like events and these really organic, cool partnerships with brands. Um, and she does a really good job with that. Any other, uh, brands that you want to call out kind of early on here that, uh, jumped out to you as folks that pe more people should know about? Yeah. Um, I thought Ted, um, Sarandos, the chief content officer at Netflix, um, you know, we make a point in our write-up of him that, you know, it's just been six years since Netflix's first original series debuted, which is kind of crazy to think about wow. um, just how fast they've grown. Um, and, you know, he's they spent $8 billion just this year on original shows, which is mind-boggling. Um, but, you know, he's really helped them to grow into this powerhouse and, you know, they just rack up the Emmys and the Golden Globe nominations and have these shows like The Crown that are really, you know, incredibly ambitious and really well-received by viewers and critics. 
So I think he's an interesting one as well. I, I think I've told this story on the podcast, but it's probably been a long time. I bought stock in Netflix in 2002. Oh, wow. And I sold it in 2005. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> That's a bummer. Yeah. yeah. Some, some wonderful person on Twitter, when I complained about that once, uh, did the math for me. <laughs> oh, that's painful. That's painful. Uh, it, it wasn't like I lost out on millions. This isn't, you know, one of those like, oh, I sold my shares of Apple for $200. Now it's yeah. worth a billion dollars. Uh, but I think I, I bought like $1,000 worth of stock uh, and I sold it for like 4000 you know. So, I mean, I, I'm, I was happy. Like, and, uh, you know, I was, I was just like, get out now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> don't, be, don't be an idiot. Cause I've had stocks implode from under me, uh, literally just delist and, and cease to exist. But Netflix, I was like, well, how much bigger can it get? Right. Mailing people DVDs, like how much bigger can that go? Uh, and it turns out quite a bit bigger. Uh, and I think at the time that someone told me on Twitter, and even this is like a year or two ago, that I would have had $45,000 worth of stock. Oh, yeah. that's painful. That's painful. So, well, you know. Lucky not meant to be, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like for me, I, I guess, again, not to go down a rabbit hole, but like I ended up using that money to rent a moving truck to move uh, across country and to start kind of re reboot my career, which has led me here. So in the end, like all things worked out. Like it was money well spent. Uh, and it was just like, eh, you know, I, I if if all stock investments went that well, life would be a much better place. But uh, yeah, anyway, so can't look my... back. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Timing is everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Lindsay, uh, quite a few agency folks on here. I haven't even really started naming them. Who were some that jumped out to you? Well, Karen Costello, CCO of the Martin Agency. I love her. Um, you know, she's she's just great um, in everything she does. She's really turned that agency around since the whole disaster that was joe alexander but i mean it just i mean she's a great creative that slingers ad for sling tv was hilarious and i just like loved it that came out this year um which is also just a great leader i remember after she was appointed cco i was talking to her and i remember she said this one thing that just stuck with me that in i guess like their brainstorming sessions or anything else she always calls on the person who hasn't said anything and you know in in agency world you're always praised for being i feel like the loudest um creatives like are, are supposed to be out there and very you know um just just vocal and everything else but she was like you know it doesn't there can be shy people in an agency and she likes giving them a voice where maybe sometimes they don't speak up and I just felt like that was such like a great leadership thing to do um yeah and then you know of course there's also Debbie Vandeven Van Deven uh Sorry if I butchered that name, but um, she's she just uh, was appointed global CCO of VML YNR. So she was at VML before um, the CCO there, and she's just she's really great in um, kind of merging the tech and creative world in just such a great way. A few uh, years ago, she created that that viral Serena Williams GIF. Um, during the Super Bowl, they they created this gift that made it look like Gatorade was being like poured over her head, and it really wasn't. It was like all just done through animation and tech. So that's that was one that was really cool. But those two leaders really stand out to me. I really admire both of them. 
Uh, from Droga5, we've got Neil Heyman, the CCO, uh, who is speaking of, you know, kind of high profile creative chief uh, exits. Uh, when uh, Ted Royer left uh, Droga5, uh, Neil Heyman stepped in. There was a big question at the time of like, who would, you know, David Droga is a. You know, he's a a tough creative figure to work for. You know, he's it's like yeah. you can't imagine as a creative, can't imagine having a boss who could do your job like without you. <laughs> it's like I'd be so intimidated by him. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you're working for one of the most famous creative directors of all time. And mm-hmm. so I was really curious. I'm like, who's it gonna be? Uh because they certainly had a bench of of pretty good folks. But uh Neil's Neil, I, I have to give him and everyone at Droga a lot of credit. The first half of this year was brutal for Droga Five. I mean, this is this is an agency that has only known success, right? Like mm-hmm. every year has just been smash hit after smash hit incredible work big wins tons of money big growth they've just been growing like a weed in their office down downtown and then man just so many things hit at once they had several high profile client losses uh, their creative chief left under the undisclosed investigation mm-hmm. just the morale, everything I've heard about it was just things were bad. Uh, but they've rebuilt. And their second half of the year, uh, you know, first half of the year, they had that Dundee ad uh, in the Super Bowl, which was fine. I, I didn't love it, but, you know, it was, it was fine. Uh, but second half of the year, you know, they've really come back as an agency. Their New York Times work continues to be some of the best out there. Uh, and just they recovered in half a year in a way. Like you mentioned Martin Agency, th- them as well. I just think agencies that can bounce back from that and not just hunker down and hide for mm-hmm. a year, are, but but also agencies that are independent and this small, they just don't have that luxury. They can't, they can't hide. They, they need yeah. to get out there and win business. Uh, but Neil Heyman the, took over as CCO. Uh, Colleen Letty uh, is their chief media officer. I think I met her when she before she got promoted into that role. Uh, and she is just dizzyingly brilliant. Uh, she's one of those people who, uh, like, I, I'd like to think that I think fast and talk fast. She is three steps ahead of me. And so it's just people like that, while sometimes exhausting when you're a journalist and you're trying to just literally <laughs> keep up with the conversation, uh, are also just great to have out there. And just to know that they're, they are in these kinds of roles. And I wasn't surprised at all uh, when they promoted her into the chief media officer role. Uh, Diana, tell us about a, another brand uh, that's on here. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we would have to mention Nike and their uh, VP CMO, Dirk Jan Van Hammerman. Excuse me if I pronounce that wrong. Um, You know, Nike probably had one of, if not the biggest ads of the year with the Colin Kaepernick um, ad. And, you know, I just think that they've had a great year in terms of pushing the envelope and really staying a part of the cultural conversation through their advertising, um, which is really impressive. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, I mean, Nike has just, Last year, they were like quiet um, in a way that and I don't know if that was just building up to this being the 30th anniversary of just do it or what. But I remember kind of being like last year we named uh, Widening Kennedy as our global agency of the year. And not to say it was in spite of what their Portland office had done, but it certainly wasn't all because of Portland. Like normally, Widen, you look back on any year that they had and it's defined by Nike or maybe mm-hmm. Bud Light or KFC or something. But like. You know, last year was really more of an international thing, and and Nike was just kind of like, yeah, they did some good stuff this year. Just hit after hit after hit, like every single thing they do is incredible. You know, and and a lot of it's niche. You know, it's not it's not all going to appeal to everybody. But I think that's part of the charm is that like if if there's a marathon ad, it's going to be an ad that anyone who runs marathons can be like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's for me. sure. Um, 
And yet someone like me who can barely run, uh, you know, down the hall uh, still appreciates. Uh, so. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> uh, one brand I wanted to throw out there is Delta. Uh, I am a, a, a Delta loyalist. Uh, I, I Like many people who travel a lot, I, I think I did the rounds of just taking the cheapest flight or the most, you know, whatever direct flight uh, that I could find. And just what an awful experience most airlines are. <laughs> and, yeah. and eventually I just settled in and I was like, okay, I'm just going to fly Delta because I, I like it. It's definitely one where... The way that they reward your loyalty, I've been really happy with. I get upgraded constantly, and I'm not, you know, I'm sure not paying for those seats, uh, but it's just because I fly so much. They're like, ah, here, you know, here's another first class seat. Here's a, you know, here's some upgrades. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's just one, it's like one of the only brands where when they say loyalty program, I actually feel like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm they're I'm being rewarded for my loyalty because again, I'm not a big spender, so it's not like they're they're saying, oh, thanks for throwing so much money at us. But just the little touches, you know, the the fact that they're adding Wi-Fi to all planes, whether you want Wi-Fi or not, is a different conversation. But, you know, for people who want it, that's that's great to have and, and to have it free. And, uh, you know, just the amenities they have on board, you really notice it when you fly like anyone else. <laughs> I love so, they, how they do the Biscoff cookies. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite thing about flying Delta. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, they've, they've – um, Recently hired Jasmine Atherton from uh, from Airbnb, who we've honored uh, once or twice in Adweek, uh, and she has really ramped up Delta's social content, uh, which has gotten just kind of more modern feeling and more, I don't know, engaging and conversational. Uh, they, they jump on memes and all that stuff a lot faster in a way that's pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, just a heck of a brand, and I think it's one of those where across the board, they, they just, and it probably comes from Tim Mapes on down, is just maintaining that sense of a brand. Uh, that's a challenge. I mean, that's a hell of a challenge for, for a, a big global brand uh, and uh, with so many moving parts. And they, they certainly uh, do it upright. One category we haven't really talked about is media. There's quite a few media names. We mentioned New York Times and a few others. But any any folks from our own industry, from the media industry, that jumped out at you guys? Um, Yeah, they're actually – this is not technically my beat, but um, Troy Young, the president of Hearst Magazine, you know, just as someone who works in media, I like to stay up to date with media um, – and I think that he is a really interesting choice. He was promoted to president of Hearst Magazines this year after the longtime president, David Carey, stepped down. Um, and he had been leading Hearst Digital Media, which really under his leadership saw, you know, massive growth and these big redesigns and really a focus um, on digital properties that I would say was a pioneer in sort of these legacy media companies like the Time Inks and the Condes and the Hearst of the World. Um and I'm really curious to see what he does next. We've already seen um, he promoted uh, Jess Capels, who was the digital director of Cosmopolitan, editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan. Um, so I'm wor- wondering if we're going to see more of that from him. And I think that he's really uh, a cutting-edge thinker who puts digital first, which sadly is still um, can be a rarity of thinking it, thinking about digital in that you know innovative of a way in the magazine industry. All right. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you both so much. Lindsay, thanks so much for coming back. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me. Diana, always a pleasure. We'll have to have you back again soon. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Uh, Our theme music is by Home. Uh, This week's episode was produced by Anya Fernando with audio production from Josh Rios. Thank you, Anya. Thank you, Josh. Uh, And edited, as always, by Lane McGivney. Uh, Thank you, Lane. Please take a moment, if you haven't already, to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews uh, are something we'd love to read personally, and they also help new listeners discover the show. I'm David Griner with Adweek, and we will be back next week. 
Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.